Uh, I want to ask you about your nickname, Barncat. How did that come about? So I um, I met my instructor, Eddie Bravo. Um, he's he's one of the most, I would say, um, influential jiu-jitsu figures. Some people don't like it, but like the, the people it. that don't like him, he'll say he's influential. So um, yeah. he, uh, I, when I, I had been following him online and stuff for a while. I've attended his client seminars. When I went to train with him at, a, at an event first, so there was a, at the end of it, there was an in-house comp- competition and he was uh, kind of yelling things at me and he didn't remember my name, of course, because it was a huge event. Like a lot of people, I want to say, I, I don't want to give you exact number, somewhere in the 50 to 150 range of people had attended for those four days that he's meeting most of them for the first time. No way he's going to remember my name. Uh, and I was remarkably unremarkable, too. So it's like if he's going to remember one person's <laughs> name, it wasn't going to be me. Um, so uh, but then. um I started doing really well. I won. Um, I ended up getting like the, the tap out of the ward there. And, and like the next day in his actual class, I started turn, training with him. I had trained three and a half years, different places before then, but I was a white belt. And a lot of times I was just, once again, having to train myself at a club and following, train with people, come back, follow different things. So I got a blue belt when I shortly trained with him. But basically before that, uh, at the end of during that competition, he didn't remember my name, so he made one up. Um, so he said, uh, Barncat, and it's like, Barncat is like, oh, he looks sweet and innocent, but he kills for a living. It's like, uh, <laughs> so I was like, I was really, really small and stuff. So he, he just made one up. And for a long time, I don't know if he knew, he knows my real name now for sure. But for a long time, I wasn't quite sure. Maybe he knew my real name and he liked my, the nickname. Now he still calls me the nickname, but I, I feel 100% confident that he knows my real name now. But for a yeah. while, I wasn't, I wasn't positive. I wasn't, wasn't yeah. quite sure if he knew my real name or not. But that's really <laughs> com- nicknames are really common in jiu-jitsu, and they come about kind of like that. They just like uh, some instructors give them uh, easier than others, but it's like, hey, you're the whatever, and then you are. To overcome you must educate. Educate not only yourself, but educate anyone seeking to learn. We are all dead America. We can all learn something. To learn, we must challenge what we already understand. The way we do that is through conversation. Sometimes we have conversations with others. However, some of the best conversations happen with ourselves. Reach out and challenge yourself. Let's dive in and learn something right now. Uh, today we are with Brian Debs. He is the founder and the owner of 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu. Could you please introduce yourself and let people know just a little bit more about you, Brian? So uh, I am the founder and owner of 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu Beaumont. 10th Planet is an organization founded by my coach, 
so uh, I didn't found all the 10th planets. Um, I'm also a founder and owner of a software company, Red Belt Software. So um, I, uh, you want, how far back do you want? Um, uh, well, just a basic, that's far enough, you know, we, we can get in and go from there. Uh, what, what got you into jujitsu, first of all? Yeah, so basically I was, I was always bullied as a kid. I didn't have a really um, good time growing up. I was way, like I was 60 pounds going into high school. So for a girl, maybe that's okay. For a guy, it's not the best. Um, so, uh, I was, and, and my dad always did judo. Um, and he even taught judo for a place in town. And I was like, I wanted to train. He was like, you know, um, you'll, you'll probably get hurt. Things like that. Um, I had a motor skill, skill disability also. So I got diagnosed with that. So they kind of left it generic, but I went to a neurologist, um, and, they referred to me as occupational therapist. They basically just said, hey, keep doing little drills, keep writing stuff. Maybe it'll be, get better. So I basically had to type things. I had modifications throughout school. Um, so like if being small isn't enough to make you a target, uh, be the person doing something differently on top of that. That'll help for sure. Yeah. Um, so uh, I, I was always interested in that. And like I said, my my parents were uh, kind of concerned that I might get injured. Uh, so uh, but as an adult, um, I started anyway. I started with a uh, basically a university club, then tried some different martial arts stuff in town and ended up traveling across, across the country to train. And um, I, I was in school for engineering. I, I got an engineering degree. Um, and I opted to instead take a little like an adjunct instructor position at the at the college that paid very little so I could keep teaching what I was teaching at the club for free. And then eventually that led to me starting my school. And then when I'm, I'm just now um, starting my software company and my software company is specifically building a CRM for martial arts gym owners. Uh, so that's from like basically problems I experienced in my gym, uh, problems with those solution, um, solutions that were available and other people that I've met. So it all kind of came from that. It's all always kind of connected. So so are you coding this platform for yourself? You you do the coding and all the work yourself? Well, like I said, I have an engineering have degree. Uh, I have an engineering degree, but I um, it would be far too vast for any one person. Uh, so while I'm an engineer, I'm not really, I, I've never been a, a, a developer, um, really. So I've, I've met up with other developers and I, I'm really involved with the process. Um, but like with any company that's over a certain size, you say, hey, my company is this. But really, we should all be saying like, like same thing with my gym. I teach at my gym, but my gym isn't me. My gym is us. Uh, so my gym was me at the beginning. Because it was literally just me. Uh, but, <laughs> yeah. but uh, yeah, I mean, it, it started with me and an idea. And we, I have, I believe I've um, at my gym. So not counting volunteers, I have three employees at my software company. I have 12 employees. So it's not, it's not just me anymore. Um, 
sleeping on the floor of the gym that I did for five years, yeah. <laughs> sleeping at the gym to, to make it all work. So, uh, but I mean, that's a place to start, but no, it, it's not, it's not all me. Yeah. Well, you, you are quite accomplished in many things, you know, going from a disabled person to one of the renowned top positions in the world on a combat sport, this, uh, jujitsu is not easy. Uh, it, it takes a lot of dedication. It takes a lot of patience. You know, you don't go in there and you get angry and you win. That's not how it works. It takes a lot of uh, devotion, learning how to control yourself. Can you talk to us a little bit about how you maintain all of that? Um, yeah, so that exactly what you said is true. Um, you're not going to people sometimes think in combat sports, it's about uh, getting your adrenaline up, getting mad and getting, yeah. getting something done. And, yeah. but that's even MMA. So jiu-jitsu is a little bit slower paced than MMA with the strikes. Um, but, uh, even in MMA, I've coached a lot of MMA fighters. Uh, people think what they need is like a Red Bull and caffeine and whatever before, uh, a match, but that they need the opposite. They need to calm down because it's usually not the person acting emotionally and too quickly, um, that wins it's a person that's more careful more calculated it's going to be they can keep their calm and, and there's a huge carryover to real life there um because if you're just being emotional is the best way usually to take a situation that's not so good and turn it into something that's awful and that's true in combat sports it's true in a whole lot of life in my experience business um being an employer, employee, um, like just about everything. Um, and, but so you have a huge advantage of about 95% of the, all the other humans is if that's not you, right? And, and uh, you're going to have some emotions, but if you're very, very in control of them, um, that's something you can like, you know, you have your genetics, not too much you can do about that. But there's certain things you can choose to take control of and that's one of them and it's it's a skill that can be developed jiu-jitsu is um you you hear uh i think i heard it first phrased this way from joe rogan you you jiu is a huge um a tool to in basically increase human performance it's a uh, a personal development tool it can be used as such yeah. in addition to like self-defense other stuff you can use it for and um that's that's part of it because jujitsu will um, put you live in spots every night that are uncomfortable, maybe upsetting. Uh, maybe you were thinking you were going to, you, you look at all this stuff, you saw something on the internet, you were going to do this cool stuff, you were going to win. And um, you get used to things not going to according to plan. You get used to things being very uncomfortable. Um, and then you do that a bunch in practice just over and over again. And then you can do it in competition and hopefully you can, you can do it in life. Yeah. We're, we're lacking that in our world today. You know, back when I was a kid, I went to, you know, the boys club and we got into boxing. There wasn't MMA yet. And I remember watching the Gracie's come in and 
kind of upset and change things. And it, it was quite interesting to watch the growth of that, you know, new thing here in America anyway, because jujitsu has been around forever. So what's it like to work with some of these professional people that are way above par in most cases to most people? So um, that's a hard question, but I think the best answer of what it's like, because I've worked with people in, in jiu-jitsu, in MMA, and even some people in business that, that are pretty far up there. Um, and the biggest takeaway for me is there, the difference is this, they did something over and over again for a long time. Like they're just regular people. So the biggest takeaway and why I think a beautiful thing about jujitsu is, you know, if, if you take computing or, or business or whatever, and you're, you're probably going to have a hard time going and sitting next to Bill Gates. Um, but if you take combat sports, you can go kind of travel and learn from whoever you like just about. Um, you can go be next. You can go be training partners to these famous people. Now, you're not going to be in that class right away, but you can go travel and you can be maybe th that great coach isn't the beginner's coach, but you can work your way in and you, you can get coached by that person eventually. And then you can be training partners with those people and then you can see what they do. And you can start doing what they do over a long time. Success leaves clues. And then you can be there with them. Now, will you be a world champion? Who knows? There's a lot of variables there. Um, can just about everybody from every background be very, very, very good at just about anything you want? I believe so. Um, and I think that's the biggest takeaway of is that they're just regular people. Yeah, some of them got good genetics. You'll find some that didn't get so good at genetics, less common, but you'll find it. But they're, they're people that have done something for a very long time. It's not so much what they did on one day that was hard. They did something over and over again with some consistency. Um, and while most people hop around to the new shiny thing, which is all cool, those people, maybe they had a chase shiny things too, but every night they did this one thing. And that's the one thing that they got good at all the other things didn't really matter. Yeah, that's so true in everything we do in life. You know, and persistence and, you know, look at Edison. You know, it took thousands of tries before he got the light bulb filament to work. And that's, that's a passion. When we talk about getting in and staying in some of these things that we love, it's a passion. And... I've noticed if you've got a passion for something, you become expert at it. You, you drive to be the best. You might not become the best, but you really want to be the best. You want that knowledge. So how, how do you keep going in a sport such as jujitsu? Because that's torture on the body. I'll tell you, it, it You've got to be pretty flexible. Um, so personally, I feel this is more jujitsu specific, but um, I do feel like jujitsu is easier to get into and stay into when you're older than other things. But you have to train a certain way. Right. And um, 
the biggest thing is if you let go too much of every day in training of your results, you see fighters all the time. So there's fighters that burn out and everybody looks at, everybody looks at things like, um, their fights, right? Okay. Well, they've gotten hit in the head so many times they've done this, but okay. They might have long career if you've had 50 fights, but if you've had 50 fights, you've had a hundred thousand days in training. So what did you do in there? Um, where, when, when somebody was getting in the better of you, were you going harder and harder? Uh, were you working on stuff and progressing skills or were you getting beat up? Now I'm not saying it's not a little rough and you might get a, a, a little bit beat up anyway, but on a scale of one to 10, we can bring that down to a three or we can put it at nine or 10 every day. And if you put it at nine or 10 every day, to me, it's the same way of these people that do that do anything. It's like, hey, I want to lose 50 pounds. I'm going to go on the most extreme, extreme diet, the most extreme workout. I'm going to work out twice a day, every day. And then they'll lose a little bit of weight usually. And then they will stop doing that in three weeks or a month. Then they will put all the way back on. It'll be like it never happened. Um, so it's the same, it's the same thing. So the secret to being able to keep in and doing it is understanding that every day is not world championship fight night. Um, every day is training day and you can train every day. Um, one of the founders, Elio Gracie, uh, was said to train pretty regularly at 92. Uh, so he can train pretty regularly at 92, but not like random white belt 20 year old that's spazzing out his train. I, I mean, I, I never got to meet him. I was training when he was alive, but I can tell you for sure that he's not tra training like that random dude. Right. So at yeah. some point you got to make a transition. I'm not saying that he didn't when he was 20 and starting, but somewhere in between he made some decisions about does, is he worried about like, maybe he could go harder and win and do better at this moment. And is that more important than him training forever? And at some point you have to make that decision. And a side effect of training forever is you're going to be really good. Yeah. And it, it promotes good health for a longer yeah. period of time. So you, you see a lot of these uh, fighters that, do like uh, meditation practices, th they have that longevity in them because they know how to calm themselves. You mentioned earlier about calming yourself and kind of keeping your cool under that pressure. That's hard to do. A lot of people, especially in today's world, deal with fear. Do you have advice on fear for people? Yeah, so uh, commenting on that first thing first, as far as, yeah, uh, people do use meditation or different things like music. Just like I said, people think they, some people think they need to get up during um, a match or before a lot of things. And th there may be some things in life, we're talking about jujitsu, maybe there's some things in life you need to ramp up a little bit for. Um, but usually you're not trying to ramp up to the top, maybe some sort of calm excitement in the middle, which is usually what I'm going for for competition. Um, and uh, so, yeah, a lot of people, people do different things, but people do different things to try to get them. They, they figure out where their optimum state is and they try to get there. So as far as dealing with fear. So uh, fear has a bunch of different names, um, nicknames like anxiety um, and different things like that. So fear, um, 
when you start breaking down, breaking it down and try to think about it logically with my personality is kind of what I try to do. So um, is this fear we're talking about? Is it like, hey, I'm doing this competition that's high risk. I'm doing something that's actually high risk here. As I'm making the decision, am I investing too much money? Am I like, is there really like, am I doing something risky? And is this emotion a warning that maybe I'm not making the right decisions? So that's kind of the, the, the old school definition of fear. You're a caveman out in the woods, sees giant mountain lion. Fear strikes him. <laughs> fear, very yeah. logical and a good advice for caveman. Do not play with mountain yeah. lion. Okay, yeah. <laughs> but a lot of people have these different things, like anxiety, different things that are more, less tangible fears. That So you talk about, okay, well, what am I really afraid of here? I've already committed, uh, like, a lot of times people are afraid of things of very little risk. Like people are afraid of, uh, I'm not saying I'm, I haven't dealt with it, but like you go public speaking, different things like that. And you just realize, hey, there's no actual risk here. Uh, very little yeah. risk. And that's the fear most of us deal with. Um, because if something comes up, you're in a car accident, like that just happened, like that's not the fear that troubles you your everyday life. Um, so that's, right. uh, that's, you just have to realize, and then you can put yourself in these situations over and over again. And um, of course, you don't want to put yourself in actually dangerous situations. But to me, a jujitsu tournament, I didn't do a jujitsu tournament. I didn't do jujitsu to do jujitsu tournaments. I did jujitsu tournaments to get better at jujitsu and, and to use them as a tool. I mean, I happened to do pretty okay at some of them for a while, but they were a tool for something else. And I could tell you when I first did them, I was really, even though it's like, you know, I can just tap and it's all over with. And it's not like MMA, it's not that dangerous. Even though I was a little fragile, but I was probably doing in, in training. I was training with people 100 pounds more than me. I was probably making making <laughs> bigger nest risk every day than the actual training. That said, you still feel it. So if you just do it way more, it yeah. starts to go away. So if you think almost everybody that does their first combat sport is almost completely drained of cardio before they get in there. So before they start doing it, because they're why their nerves and body ate it all up. So if you think, oh, you would be perfectly calm and logical in like a self-defense situation, it's like um, there's almost no real risk in this jiu-jitsu tournament. There's some people get hurt occasionally, but you compare that to like an attack where there's very high risk. If you lose, you may die. That like jujitsu tournament, like, you know, there's divisions. Almost everybody loses 5% of the tournament because it's not one on what, like it's a 16 man division. Almost everybody losing a match. How many people at that thousand person event hurt minorly? A handful, maybe. Um, but two people in a real fight, maybe both of them hurt real bad. Uh, yeah. But it, it gets you used to that sort of things. And when you put yourself in those scenarios, it's not the same as these other things, but you can get used to there's some translation. So not only by competing, did I get better at the stress of competing? I got better at the stress of public speaking. I got better at the stress of dealing with people, dealing with situations, because you just get used to dealing with something that is, once again, is illogically stressful. So your body is identifying it as a much larger stressor than it really is. Um, yeah. So that's my thoughts on that. 
you know, when, when you're dealing with fear and you said earlier that, you know, that emotion before the fight takes it out of you, you know, I think a lot of good fighters just rely on that training. It's motor memory. And that's why you train consistently, constantly, all the time with different people, different styles. So what's your thought on that? Yeah. So there's a quote. I unfortunately, it's not mine. And I unfortunately don't know who it came from, but it's uh, you don't rise to the occasion. You fall to the level of your training. And I really like that one because a lot of people that haven't trained, they think, well, I don't know anything, but when it really came down to it, I would, my, like my, I would bring, if I had to defend myself and my family, I'm way out of shape. I have no training. I have no skills, but if he was bigger, stronger, uh, maybe had some training, had every advantage, somehow I would rise to, but that's not really how reality usually works. You don't rise to the occasion. You fall to the level of your training, just like you said. And that's one of the things Another tip that a lot of people, including myself, have used in the past to calm myself down. It's like, you know, it's already done. To me, it's like the training is done. Like I'm going there. It's like I've already I've I don't know this guy, but I'm willing if like if we're going to bet and looks and whatever, he probably looks tougher. If we're going to bet on how much time I put in, how hard I worked, all that, I believe I have it. And that's what really matters. All that's already done. Uh, so that's yeah. what I'm going to do. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to do what I've been training over and over again. That's what your body is doing, uh, used to doing. And kind of close to what you were referencing, my instructor, Eddie Bravo, he talks about, because some people said, because he some of his stuff appears a little complicated, right? And some of the Gracies criticized him uh, for that. Um, but he says, well, you know, take tying your shoes, have you ever been in a stressful situation? Things are going on. Your shoe is untied. You can reach down and tie it. There's a lot of steps there. There's several steps, lots of steps, a good amount of precision, fine motor skills required, but you can still do it. Why can you do that under pressure? Well, you've done it so many times. You couldn't even remember the steps. If they ask you in the high pressure, like, give, give me the steps of tying your shoe. You probably couldn't do that, but you can do it uh, because you've done it a bunch. Um, so that's, you know, that, that's kind of the secret to almost anything humans develop that way. It's like, if we do it a whole bunch, we train very intentionally, we can reprogram. That's a lot of what jujitsu is, whatever you naturally would do. We can take that and change it to something else, something better, something trained and logically better. But there's one reason why seminar seminars alone, like a self to seminars can be great, but if you take one seminar, um, and we'll just say you took it from the best person ever. They absolutely knew what they were talking about. And you do it one day, like and a year later, you're attacked. Like, no way. No way you're calling upon that because yeah. you, you have to. Now, if you take a seminar, if you train every day and you attend a seminar and then you try to take that stuff and implement it in your training every day. Oh, that could work for sure. Yeah. Or if the seminar gets you interested in training and you try like so they're. they're that can be tools. But if you do anything for one day and then at your moment of greatest need, high stress, you're not going to pull all that back sometime in the distant future. That's not how humans work. That's right. That's right. And that's so critical to understand. And, you know, people need to start 
just getting out and doing a simple walk will help your cardio and your health. So, you know, doing something and talking about it is two different things. That's for sure. Uh, I want to ask you about your nickname, Barn Cat. How did that come about? So I, um, I met my instructor, Eddie Bravo. Um, he's, he's one of the most, I would say, um, influential jujitsu figures. Some people don't like it, but like the, the people it. that don't like him, he'll say he's influential. So, um, yeah. he, uh, I, when I, I, I'd been following him online and stuff for a while, I've attended 10th Planet seminars when I went to train with him at a, at an event first. So there was a, at the end of it, there was a, in-house comp competition and he was uh kind of yelling things at me and he didn't remember my name of course because it was a huge event like a lot of people i want to say i, I don't want to give you exact number somewhere in the 50 to 150 range of people had attended for those four days that he's meeting most of them for the first time no way he's going to remember my name uh and i was remarkably unremarkable too so it's like, if he's going to remember one person's name, it wasn't going to be me. Um, so, uh, but then um, I, I started doing really well. I won. Um, I ended up getting like the, the tap out of the ward there. And, and like the next day in his actual class, I started training with him. I had trained three and a half years, different places before then, but I was a white belt. And a lot of times I was just, once again, having to train myself at a club and following, train with people, come back follow different things. So I got a blue belt when I shortly trained with him. But basically before that, uh, at the end, of, during that competition, he didn't remember my name. So he made one up. Um, so he said, uh, Barncat. And it's like, Barncat is like, oh, he looks sweet and innocent, but he kills for a living. It's like, uh, <laughs> so I was like, I was really, really small and stuff. So he, he just made one up. And for a long time, I don't know if he knew, he knows my real name now for sure. But for a long time, I wasn't quite sure. Maybe he knew my real name and he liked my, the nickname. Now he still calls me the nickname, but I, I feel 100 percent confident that he knows my real name. now. But for a while, yeah. I, wasn't, I wasn't positive. It wasn't wasn't yeah. quite sure if he knew my real name or not. But that's really <laughs> nicknames are really common in jujitsu and they come about kind of like that. They just like uh, some instructors give them uh, easier than others. But it's like, hey, you're the whatever. And then you are. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of that uh, Native American trait, too. They see something and that's what they name you. <laughs> uh, what kind of advice would you give to the young people that really want to seek bettering themselves through jujitsu? Oh, well, so specifically bettering themselves through jujitsu. Uh, so bettering themselves could be a lot of different ways. Jiu-Jitsu is definitely one of them. I do recommend it, especially if you have some sort of interest. I will go ahead and say, uh, to rewind on that a, a second, what people come into my gym and in my gym, I teach jujitsu, but we also teach different things. We teach Muay Thai, kickboxing. There's different coaches for that. And some people ask me what martial art I think is best. And, uh, my, my answer, like, Hey, I, I really enjoy this. And it has some advantages, but really you have to really like it, right? So if 
the one you like is going to be the best for you because if, if jujitsu, you could describe all the situations you want to use it for all that. And it's just way more perfect than Muay Thai say, but you don't really like it. And you end up coming once a month. It's like, and you, but you would have fallen in love with Muay Thai and come four days a week. You should be doing that. Um, so first of all, if you're going to better yourself, do an activity to better yourself, you do want to find something you like and you're passionate about. And that's one reason jujitsu is like the only thing that got me in shape. Because like you said, yeah, walking will do, will help. You can, just about anything that moves your body can help you get in shape. But are you going to do that? And if it's just like grinding physical, like something you like doing is a better ch uh, choice for me. So back to your other question of, um, you're seeking to better yourself through jujitsu. Well, great news. Um, if you like jujitsu and you're doing that, I really feel like everything is inevitable in time. So you don't have to do anything. I think once you've chosen a thing, even if it's not jujitsu, I mean, if you've chosen an awful thing, like I've decided to better myself through heroin, that's probably not the best. But no. <laughs> if you've uh, if you've chosen a lot of one of the many good choices available in life, uh, you've chosen great news. Um, Keep doing that. And in general, jujitsu, especially I'll speak to other stuff is like this, but um, the way it generally works is you go in, you, you have high hopes, especially if it's something competitive and you don't live up to your own expectations at first. Um, and then you work on it, you do all the things and you don't see the improvement that you expected from yourself. And in fact, you might not see any improvement at all. Um, the secret is to just trust the process. And that's part of what's going to be your personal development, your, your patience here. And you're learning how yeah, kind of the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. Like you do, like my business wasn't profitable. It lost money a little bit the first year. It was ba basically break even the second year. So basically I worked for free for two years, didn't make too much, but eventually I have other employees. It did, it did really well. Um, but if it's like, if you look at the results and you're like, uh, it's not what I want. And you look at the improvement, uh, it's not going anywhere. Um, but have other people done this before? Is it possible to be successful with it? Okay. Find out the process and trust the process and just do the work. Even if like, if you, uh, if you planted a seed and you watered it one time, and then like, oh, it hasn't sprouted and you never watered it again. It's never going to sprout. Um, and jujitsu is a very long-term sprouting sort of thing. Um, it took me three and a half years to get a blue belt. That's the first rank in jujitsu. Took me around 13 to get a black belt. Um, so a long time. I mean, that's not ultra unheard of in jujitsu. It's also not ultra fast in jujitsu. Um, but yeah, that, that's kind of the secret. Like if you wanted to do it for personal development, great news, just, just go do it. Just remember while you're doing it and, and keep doing it. There's gonna be a day where uh, eating Cheetos and staying on your couch feels better and then you do that. And then tomorrow, why not do it again? And then, then you're out. Most people that quit jujitsu in my experience, they don't quit because of some life altering thing. They just, something comes up, they get in the habit of not showing up. And most people, they don't quit quit because I've talked to a lot of people uh, that haven't been showing. I was like, I'm going to come back later. They don't quit. They don't make a decision that I'm never going to train again. 
It's, I'm just not doing it right now. And then five yeah. years later, you're still not doing it. 10 years later, hey, 15 years later, hey, maybe I'll come back at some point in five more years. You know, that's how people quit. They don't quit. Yeah, they procrastination. Just <laughs> yeah, they pra- uh, procrastinate forever. There was a movie at some point. Yes. I, uh, I remember this, like, um, the tra- they translated what the person said. Um it was some tribal persons like, what did he say? Uh, oh, I'll, I'll consider it forever. So that's what these people are doing. They're not saying no, yeah. coming back. they're just considering yeah. it forever. Yeah. And that that really chews on the inside of you, too, because you're not facing apparently a fear or a challenge or some hurdle that you must get over or else you're going to deal with that the rest of your life. Uh, I remember uh, what got me into self-defense, learning how to take care of myself, was at the water fountain. A young man was, you know, bullying, but he had boxing training. And I don't like bullies. They're kind of out there, you know. The world's full of them. But... I stood up to the bully and got my butt kicked, you know, but it made me feel good that I had the tenacity to stand up to it. Then getting my butt kicked made me think, why don't I know how to do that? And that helped me get over the fear of getting my butt kicked and it, it actually set me on a life goal on learning about how to control myself, learn about who I am and why I'm here. What, what's your purpose? How much purpose is in your drive? Yeah. So, um, a couple comments on that. Yeah, I, I agree with that entirely. And to me, it's, I never, I didn't want to be in the position where in that case, it felt good because he was just bullying. But if it was something, if you were standing up for somebody that was going to get killed or something, you would have felt awful, awful if you couldn't do anything. Uh, and just, it's just kind of a feeling of powerlessness. And there's yeah. good news because yes, a lot of people, have trained a little. Very few people have trained a lot. And if you are in the um, the co- combat sports, you know that there's an overwhelming difference. Like the people that have trained a little, little two people that have trained a lot, they're almost indistinguishable. For, indistinguish- you can't tell the difference between them and people that haven't right. trained at all. Like between like it's it's irrelevant and there are exceptions to this but my instructor eddie bravo always said like jiu-jitsu it's a filter for d-bags and what he means by that is um (laughs) yeah it's not you can find some guys in jiu-jitsu that are not good guys like you can everywhere but it filters what it filters out and it filters out people that don't have certain virtues and I agree, bad guys can have certain virtues. In fact, sometimes those are the most dangerous bad guys. But a lot of times, quote unquote, bad guys don't have good patience and perseverance. Uh, they don't, they can't control their ego. 
They don't have good humility. And you need those things to survive in jujitsu. Now, you can find a bad guy that has those, and that's a very dangerous bad guy. But that's not most of the bad guys. So most of these bullies, they came in and they did a little bit of boxing. They didn't do a lot of boxing. They especially didn't do a lot of jujitsu. So he who has these virtues can get better than that guy in general. The vast majority of those people in the, in the current age, the number of people that have tried a little bit of a combat sport, especially males, but females too now, are, very, are pretty high. But the people that are actually reasonably competent, competent is much lower. And once again, it's, it's a, the skill kind of expires. So, you know, if you, if you train for a very long time, it expires slower. But even if you say did a year of training and you haven't trained in five years, but I'm actively training, hey, uh, I've got a really huge advantage. Um, and said bully probably, I'll make some guesses. I don't know him. He probably didn't train too much boxing and he probably wasn't actively training. Um, so, which means if you were, you have a good chance. Yeah. Yeah. He, he was, uh, part of the boys club area and, you know, I, I didn't even pay attention to it. I, I let him drift away because, it, it wasn't even worth my time to yeah, dwell on it, you know. Uh, I, I just don't let things like that get to me. I, I learn from it, and I move on. I try to better myself from my experience, which sometimes is very difficult to do because a lot of the times I find it's me putting myself there in the first place. Mm -hmm. So a, as I grow in myself, I understand that, I'm in control of every aspect of my life and where I put myself, that's where I'm going to be. You know, it's not anybody else's responsibility. Nobody's going to really care unless you make it that way. So you've really got to take the initiative and drive your life yourself, no matter what we're talking about in uh, if you're a band member or a fighter or a construction worker, whatever you're doing in life, you've got to be proud of who and what you are. Yeah. Uh, what, and if not, change it. That's the key right there. Changing it, that's the tough part because it takes time. We, we have to recognize that we need to change and then putting those efforts into the change is it, it's hard, especially if you're from a background that, you know, it's not really the best background. Sure. But, so how was your support system growing up? Um, my parents are, are, are good parents. They're good people. They didn't support me in combat sports, uh, like I told you before, until so my first bit like so I'd done several tournaments, but I was doing a, a larger tournament in the expert division. And they tried and tried to tell me not to do it. And really, the when I was starting to compete, um, the only serious talk I've ever can remember having with my dad in my life. We didn't have a girl talk. We didn't have a drugs talk. We didn't have any of that. The only talk that we ever had was like, you know, 
you're not cut out for this. Don't, don't, don't go into this competing thing. Like don't do, don't go competing in jujitsu. You're not like you've hadn't got hurt bad so far. Like don't do this. This isn't, this isn't you. You shouldn't be doing that. And of course I didn't listen to him. And from the point where I, I, I got up there and at that point where I finally won something big and significant, it's like they were just blown away. And then they did start supporting me at that point. But when you do, if everybody is supporting you at everything you do, you're probably pretty far in the comfort zone. Now that may not be for everybody. Maybe you have really great circle, but I mean, I feel like I had, I had decent parents, but like, you know, everybody thinks of people in a, as a certain way, all your, you can't help it. That's just, you think about your friends or whatever. And to change that is hard. Um, there has to be, um, there has to be something significant happen for you wanted to think about um, how you think about somebody, you know, especially somebody like your kid. And you, ha- you think your kid grew up this certain way. This kid is this kid. And um, if you are relying on this quote unquote support system, um, I mean, that's, you can go find a new one, right? Because whatever you want to do, there's other people that want to do that too. You can get around those people. And that's what I did. And you can get one there. Now that said, you can't really rely on everybody because you, there could be all these on, on any one person or any group, because there's going to be all these voices. So it's like you said, it's, it's gotta be up to you, but you can, it, it for sure matters who you're around. Um, same thing we heard as a kid, don't hang around bad people, but it's more specific than that. There's not just good people and bad people. There could be all these good people, but and these people could be doctors and lawyers, but you want to be an engineer. You don't want to hang out with the doctors. If you, if you don't want to be a doctor, you want to hang out specifically who, who you want to be because they don't think the same way. You want to more specifically. So it's not just good and bad. It's if you're trying to achieve something significant, um, so that's where you go to find a support system, but also just know that um, if it's something you want to do, that um, you're an adult, you have to just decide, is it worth it? Do you really, really want to do it though? Like, because it's, everybody's resisting. They probably yeah. are resisting because they're probably, it, it probably is hard. And it probably does have some risk. That's probably why they're resisting. If it's like a normal thing, everybody does. Nobody's ever been like, Oh, Brian, don't go to the store like you know nobody like if it's normal (laughs) nobody's gonna pressure you not to do it if it's real easy and normal so it's like so do you want to do that anyway well to some other people that thing is normal so you can be around those people but uh yeah that that's my that's my thought on on support system you'll get it you'll change people's minds eventually or they'll be pushed away there's so pretty much everybody supports me now or they don't talk to me, one of the two. And I did like, usually not a bad breakup. It's just, we don't talk anymore. Just yeah. e- either, either you support me or because what are you doing now? I do it for a living. You're going to talk to me every day and be like, Hmm, I doesn't think like that's going to work out. I mean, it's already worked out, dude. Like, yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, we can't let other people judge us or make us who we are. Uh, you know, you are, excellent at what you do i i've watched several of your matches and you know to get that good it takes a long time how can people hook up with you and get trained by you or by one of your affiliates 
Uh, so unfortunately, at this time, if you're not in Beaumont, Texas, <laughs> uh, that's that's where I am uh, training jujitsu. If you train jujitsu, um, hit your instructor up. I like I, I can go out and do um, do seminars. So I don't really have affiliates. My instructor does. There's other 10th planets around the world. I highly recommend those. But I also highly recommend Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Um, just go find somewhere. Um, if you really, you can reach out to me. Uh, I'm on um, Brian Barncat Debs. I have a Facebook page and an Instagram. If you're like nowhere near me or a 10th planet or anything, you're like, man, there's 10 BJJ schools. I, I don't know which one is good. Like, reach out to me. I'll help, I'll help you pick one. I'll look at the, I'm pretty good at, at guessing. Not that I, I might know one of them. I might not. I can look at kind of credentials, maybe take a guess for you. Tell me what you want. That matters too. You, you want something kind of easy for a 40 year old stay in shape. You want to compete. You want to be a champion. That's two different schools maybe. Um, but really just get started. I wouldn't stress too much about, oh man, this place isn't perfect, whatever, you know, try it. Is it good enough? Because there is no perfect. Perfect is the, is the enemy of you doing anything. So uh, yeah. is it, it going to yeah. be sufficient for you? You're going to have fun there. Then, then get started. Yeah, that's the key. Get started. If you're thinking, do it or else it won't happen. That's for sure. Uh, call to action. What would it be for our listeners, Brian? I would go ahead and say um, to start something that you think is meaningful for you, whether it's if you haven't already, if you have, if you found your thing, uh, don't start something. Keep doing that thing, even if you feel like uh, that's I mean, you can you, you're allowed to change, but change for a reason. If you're just like, uh, I would highly consider sticking with your thing. You could add a new thing or whatever. But uh, shiny object syndrome isn't how you become a master. Uh, if you haven't found a thing, if it's all been just different things, find your thing and um, spend some time feeling that out and then commit to something and, and, and start doing it. That's right. It doesn't get good until you do the hard part. So uh, I want to say thank you for being with us today, talking with us and giving your advice. And it's always a pleasure having people like you on the Dead America podcast. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me on. Thank you for joining us today. If you found this podcast enlightening, entertaining, educational in any way, please share, like, subscribe, and join us right back here next week for another great episode of Dead America Podcast. I'm Ed Waters, your host. Enjoy your afternoon, wherever you may be.